Before we start this podcast, I'd like to remind you that when you're building your maker business, it's helpful to have both a business plan and a brand strategy. At georgesupplyco.com, I've spelled out all the parts of a brand strategy, including pre-purchase, in-purchase, and post-purchase branding in a free post titled, How to Build a Brand Strategy. You'll find a link on the front page of georgesupplyco.com. Welcome to the Business for Makers podcast, brought to you by George Supply Company. Each episode, we explore topics you need to know to grow your maker hobby into a maker business and brand. I'm Scott Shervitz. This week, I interview Dustin Henson of Rustic Customs Woodshop. Let's begin with the Business for Makers News Desk. As always, we start with lumber pricing. TradingEconomics.com reports lumber futures have dropped again to $371 per 1,000 board feet as prospects of higher interest rates continue to depress real estate activity. Stubbornly high inflation and a tight, still tight labor market have raised concerns that the Federal Reserve will keep rates elevated even after the recent turmoil in the banking sector. Nevertheless, tight supplies and signs of a demand recovery have helped to limit that downside. In social media news, TikTok CEO Shuzi Chu testified before Congress last week, enduring five hours of intense questioning from lawmakers over concerns that China might leverage the app to compromise U.S. national security. TikTok, of course, is owned by Chinese tech giant ByteDance, setting it apart from other major social media companies based in the U.S. Chu said, let me state this unequivocally. ByteDance is not an agent of China or any other country, end quote. Chu said this in his opening statements, a refrain TikTok CEO repeated throughout the hearing as he sought to reassure lawmakers. However, from the tone of the questions from lawmakers, it appears their decision to ban the app is already made up. Wary of a stringent action, TikTok's parent company ByteDance has now introduced a five-year-old app called Lemon 8 to the U.S., the New York Times reports. This app was quietly introduced on both Google and, the, and Apple's app stores last month and has now entered into each of the app store's top 10. Lemon 8, described as a cross between Instagram and Pinterest, will initially focus on topics like fashion, healthy food, and wellness, said the New York Times. Lemonade's recent surge appears to have been encouraged by a number of TikTok influencers, leaving the suspicion that these are paid endorsements 
in hopes of hedging any action that might be taken against TikTok and ByteDance. We'll be back after these messages. This episode of the Business for Makers podcast is brought to you by George Supply Company CA Glue. Dries in seconds, forms a permanent bond on a wide variety of materials, perfect for filling knots and cracks, ideal for general use home repairs, and can be used with activator for instant drying. George Supply Company CA Glue is available at georgesupplyco.com. And now, my interview with Dustin Henson of Rustic Customs Woodshop. Dustin Henson of RC Woodshop, thank you for joining the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell me, how long have you been a full-time woodworker? Been full-time almost nine years now. Okay, so it sounds like a portion of your business is cabinetry, and then you sub out the production of that to another group. Is that correct? I just recently moved cabinetry to another shop. I'll still do, I still do some cabinet stuff. I do like custom kitchen islands and, and smaller cabinets, built-in bookshelves, things like that. Um, but as far as like production cabinet goes, if it's like a whole, a whole kitchen or a new construction or something like that, then, then yeah, that'll get subbed out to the other shop because it's just, it's a lot for, since I'm a one-man show, it's a lot to, to take on and it really just, it makes more sense to just have that done somewhere else so I can focus on other things because they can knock out a cabinet job in three, four days, which would take me a week to do. So, so if I have them do that, then I can do all the other things. So, <laughs> so how do you acquire that kitchen remodeling business? Is it referrals at this point? It was referrals. Um, and I was, before I was a full-time woodworker, I was a, uh, project manager for a custom home builder. Um, so I know a lot of the builders in the area and, and actually that company I used to work for is one of my, one of my bigger clients as far as I do all their, you know, barn doors and stuff like that as well. So, it, so that, that helped. And just, just knowing a lot of people in the industry really helped a lot, um, just to, to kind of get my foot in the door and the way I'm in North Texas and it's growing so fast here that if you if you can't find work, you're either not good at what you do or you're just not looking for work, you know, because <laughs> there is just so much new construction here right now. Yeah, it was just a part time deal then. It was um, when I was project manager, we had we were doing a renovation and we were we're at like punch list stage, like we're almost done with the thing. And the uh, the client says, you know what, I think I want a barn door. And, it, and this was back when. Chip and Joanna had made barn doors like stupid popular. So mm. everybody wanted one. Um, so I was like, oh, no problem. You know, we're, we're probably about four days away from being done with this project. And I was like, okay, you know, no problem. We'll, we'll see what we can do. And I went to order the thing and it was like way out, like nine weeks out and, and pretty expensive at the time. And I was like, you know what? I've been woodworking since, you know, I was like nine in my grandpa's shops. I could probably make a barn door. So I did. <laughs> so I made her one and uh and she loved it and and then her neighbor saw it and they wanted one and then i think it was her neighbor's sister saw hers and she wanted one and it was about eight months later i i was no longer working for somebody else i was i was full-time doing nothing but barn doors then at that at that point 
um, and then branched out into furniture and you know tables and desks and things like that. So you're starting to figure this out. You're doing the work part time, and your barn doors are picking up. And at some point, you decide this is going to be a business. So do you think you need a business plan, or are you just the seat of the pants kind of guy, and the orders just keep rolling in, and you just keep making them? I've I've always been a, a seat of the pants kind of guy. Like my my, I'm famous for saying, "Oh, I'll just wing it," you know, or or I'll fake it till I make it, you know, <laughs> and um. And it really, I wasn't really ready to go full time, but I think if you're, I think if you wait until you're ready, you'll, you'll never do it because um, the time will just never be right. Um, and, and we had slowed down a bit in the um, construction and remodeling on, on, you know, on that side of the job. We, we had kind of slowed down a lot and boss called me in and said, Hey, I'm going to have to lay off three guys and I need you to help me pick the three guys. And I was, and, and I knew how much he was paying me and how much he was paying them. And, and something just kind of clicked. And I was like, you know what, Help, don't lay them off, lay me off. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know. But I was like, you know, I'm at a point where I'm making more doing barn doors part-time than I am working full-time for you. So if I can, if you can let me go and save these three guys their job, and, 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 and that'll be kind of the kick in the pants I need to, to, to just, you know, jump in with both feet and do it. Um, and, and again, he ended up being one of my, one of my bigger clients. So it worked out really well. Um, it was just kind of, I don't know, like I said, there's never a, a right time to do it, if, <laughs> but that felt like as right as it was going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you just kept pushing on it. The orders kept coming and the old boss is sending you orders and, and now you're shoulder deep in barn doors. Doors. And at that point, when I, when I first started, I would take anything that came in the door. Cause I was scared that, you know, what the, the work's going to stop coming in. You know? Right. So I was right. doing barn yeah. doors. I was doing the um oh what's the stupid things the cornhole boards i was building those uh, cutting boards just everything that came in i was like yes 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 i'll do it and it took me a while to to learn that it's okay to say no to a project because another mm -hmm. one will uh -huh. will come along so that was the biggest hurdle for me was just knowing that i didn't have to accept every job that came my way um, was it that was a big uh, a big turning point for me is that a piece of advice you might give to other guys looking to go full time Focus on something and don't be afraid to say no to the other stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at, at first, you know, if, if you need to keep the lights on in the shop, then by all means, go ahead and, you know, do, do everything you can get all the, you know, get everything coming in. You can just be sure and, and price it accordingly and make sure that it's going to be worth your time. Because um, cornhole, just for, for example, we use cornhole boards. I started out. I looked at Facebook and all the other cornhole boards and they're all 150 to $200. So I was like, okay, so I priced mine at 200 and then I got tired of making cornhole boards cause it's, it's a rectangle with a hole in it and I get bored really easy. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to end up making cornhole boards three, four days a week. So I bumped my price up to 300 and they kept coming. The orders kept coming in and I was like, what is going? So I bumped it up to 400 and the orders kept coming in. And, and now I'm at, if you want, like you can get a good set of cornhole boards online for 175 to 200 dollars, but you can get a set of my cornhole boards for 500. <laughs> and that's and so so just you just learn where that price point is that that you're comfortable with and and you know what the price that people will pay, and and then go with it, you know, because it, it's, you know, why not? Um, 
and, and I'll tell people up front, you know, my cornhole boards are nowhere near the cheapest and, and I'm fully transparent with them. And I'll even send them recommendations of three other guys that'll make them cheaper just because I don't want to make cornhole boards. And I think a lot of them appreciate that. And that's why yeah. they will pay $500 yeah. for a set of cornhole boards, you know? <laughs> so your pricing system is some function of the material, your time and what the market will bear. But yeah. What the market allows. Yeah. Good. Um, Kind of a good rule of thumb for me is I'll go material times three plus 30% markup. And and that's a good starting point for most projects. And and then once you do, you know, just barn doors, for example, once, you, once you've done hundreds of them, like I, you, you can kind of look at, okay, the size of the door, the design, and you know how long it's going to take you and you know about what material is going to take. So you can, you can kind of go off of the, the, like get away from the formula and know, okay, that's a, that's a $900 door. That's a $1,200 door. And so I, so I don't really have like a set formula for most of my stuff, but if I get something come in the shop that I don't do a lot of like a fully custom desk or something, then, then I will go back to that formula and just kind of use that as a, as a starting point for pricing. So I think that's where I wanted to go with the business part of this. But now you're looking to transition to content creation. Is that correct? Is to get, because right now I'm like full-time woodworker, part-time content creator. And I want to kind of flip-flop those things and do more content creation and less custom woodwork. Um, simply because, you know, like I said earlier, I get bored easy. So you can, I can only build so many barn doors and so many tables before you, you just, there's not any creative freedom left in there because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's a custom piece and i would i would rather build um like right now i really want to build like a mid-century modern uh record player console kind of like what grandma had but with a mid-century modern twist on it um and i really want to build that but i can't because i don't have time because i'm building barn doors and tables and cabinets and all all the all the things you know so i just think it would be really cool if i could instead of turning out you know, 10 projects a month, if I could take a month and focus on one project and make it what I, you know, make what I want to make. And if it sells, it sells fine, but, and, and use that for, you know, for content and, and things like that. I think that, I think I would get a lot more, I guess, pleasure out of that because, because woodworking has always been my passion and turning it into a full-time job is great because I get to do woodworking all day. But at the same time, it kind of takes away from the, the fun side of it because mm -hmm. you are building you know, pieces to spec or you're building commission pieces. You're not building what you want to build and you're not it doing a lot of new stuff. So it becomes, which is probably something you would say to a part-time woodworker trying to go full-time, be careful what you ask for. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. I mean, make sure you're, you're willing to turn your passion into a full-time job before you turn your passion into a full-time job <laughs> because it, because it can, you know, debt, meeting deadlines and, and build, doing repetitive builds can take a lot of the fun out of it. Um, if you're not doing a bunch of other things, then you could kind of you could kind of build what you wanted on your own time. So it would be kind of like now if you have, oh here comes a motorcycle. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> if, um, if like if you if you're not doing a bunch of other things, like I do a lot of like the podcast, and I think we're about to start our own podcast, and now we're doing oh. and I do the content creation, and I do the disc golf stuff, and. Now I coach the baseball team with my son, so I've got all this other stuff going on. So I don't really have time to do anything but my commission pieces. Um, so if you set aside your weekends for yourself or whatever, you can still build those fun things mm -hmm. in your own time. Um, 
so so it doesn't have to take all the fun out of it it just it has for me because i'm just so busy with all the other stuff that that it just eats up all of my free time right on right when you talk about content creation, I assume you're talking about YouTube primarily? Primarily? Yeah, I mean, I, think, I feel like you almost have to get into that space if, if you're going to go full-time with the content creation. Because um, I just don't know that Instagram, I, I just don't know that the in, like the, the passive income is not there with Instagram. Mm -hmm. there's, some, there's some, but you're not going to make a living on Instagram. So right. you're going to have to get, I have a YouTube channel and I've posted like, I don't know, five videos on it in the past six years. I haven't done anything with it yet. And so that's, so that's kind of the next step is to actually start trying on YouTube, if you will, and, and, and see, see where that goes. And you've mentioned you're going to start a podcast also. Yeah, I'm talking with another maker in Jersey, and then we're talking about doing a uh, doing a podcast. So we think it'd be kind of fun to have like the the Yankee guy and the Texas guy, and we'll probably get probably try and talk a uh, a female maker into into joining up. Just so we've got the three different kind of perspectives on everything, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and it seems to be a, a good formula for for, for the podcast. Are we content? Uh, yeah, but knowing him and knowing me, we'll start out like really talking about woodworking and really getting into something. And then in 10 minutes, we'll make a left and we'll be talking about something totally different. So, <laughs> but yeah, which is, I'm, I'm, which is... I'm assuming it'll be woodworking, you know, DIY maker, you know, in something in that category, but we yeah. will yeah. more than likely end up talking about, you know, whether or not pigeons have knees. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So as you're getting into content creation, have you thought about the impact of various algorithm changes like, you know, just YouTube changing the rules? You've got a business on their platform versus your a business in your own workshop. And I feel like being um, as active as I am on Instagram has kind of given me a little bit of insight into that because Instagram changes seems like constantly. Um, there's they're, they're constantly rolling out new features and and now they've got the subscription thing and the channels thing and and all that fun stuff um and so i'm assuming youtube is going to be pretty similar where it's just like constantly evolving and so that's something that i'll probably and and, I'm, and that's a good thing about having this instagram community is there's so many guys out there that i can reach out to that have an established channel and they're willing to just they'll sit down and talk with you for for hours and tell you you know what you need to know and that's that's a a huge I feel Jump like that's start. a huge Jump tool that, yeah. I have, that, that I can that I can use. Yeah. Am I correct that you've collected a vast amount of knowledge from WorkbenchCon in the area of content creation? For, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My well, really, my first year at WorkbenchCon, I had just gotten into um, Instagram. This it was a 2019 WorkbenchCon, so I think it was the second one. But I didn't know about the first one, so I didn't go. Um, and that one was that one was huge for me. That changed my whole outlook on on social media and and how you can actually use it as a as a tool, and you can use it to promote yourself, promote your brand. You can use it to work with other brands. You can use it for passive income. You can use it for sales, marketing. It's just there's so many as as many bad things as there is about social media. There's there's just as many good ones. Um, and, and it really kind of opened opened my eyes to that because I had I wanted no part of social media when I started the uh, 
the woodworking business, but it's kind of a necessary evil with your own business nowadays because you, yeah, yeah, it's Facebook especially is it's just free advertising. So you know why why not use it? You know, right. right. <laughs> well, speaking of that, for any of your businesses now, do you do any paid advertising or just organic? I have not paid for advertising in probably six years. I think when I first started, I got into. We have a lot of local. They call them magazines. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. They call them magazines, but it's a uh, it's coupon basically like coupon a book. newsletter, coupon book. Yeah, and and I would and I, and I would take out a full page ad in those, and it was really kind of expensive. It didn't, um, and it, there really wasn't a, a real good return on investment there, because I feel like most people grab those things out of the mailbox and straight to the trash, never read them. Um, whereas Facebook, and then I, that's when I found out that Facebook has got. My target demo is there. It's the mm -hmm. you know the thirties to fifties with expendable income. They're either buying their first home or they just finished paying off their house and now they want to upgrade. And, and that's my target demo. And that's really who's on Facebook. Um, Instagram. I make almost no sales on Instagram because most of my following is fellow woodworkers. So if they see right. a right. table I build, they're like, "Ooh, I'm going to build that." You know. <laughs> Whereas right. Facebook right. says, "Ooh, can I buy that?" So. So they're two different things. So uh, Instagram kind of was just for fun. Once I found that there was a whole woodworking community out there and, and made friends and things, that's, that's the only reason I stuck with Instagram was so I could talk to my buddies all over the country. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, you can you can work with brands and you can make money on Instagram. Cool. So th so now that's turned into kind of another part time job. And Facebook, I don't, probably 80 percent of my sales come from Facebook. And I and I. I'm on Facebook maybe five minutes a day. I probably should focus more on it because it's where my business is coming from. But I just, I just don't. I'll just dump Instagram stuff right into Facebook. <laughs> and that's just on your Facebook account page, right? Or are you posting on Facebook Marketplace? Things like things that. Like yeah, that. I have a personal account, and then I have the the business account, the Rustic Customs Woodshop page or whatever. And that's where most of my work comes from. And I will, if, you know, if. Like right now I'm booked out till like mid June, but if I ever get to where I'm only booked out like three weeks to a month, then I'll run an ad on marketplace or on like the neighborhood Facebook page. Um, and, and that usually, you know, that, that I'll usually get a month's worth of work out of each one of those and it costs wow. nothing. So, wow. so what, you know, why, why pay for advertising is, is kind of where I'm at. Okay. You know? Okay. And then word of mouth is huge too for, you know, once you, once you've established yourself in your area, you'll get a lot of referrals and things. You know? So to wrap things up, what would you tell part-time makers who are considering going full-time? Um, well, I mean, if they're kind of like we were talking about earlier, if they're considering doing it, um, make sure first make sure it's something that you you really really want to do, and then once you know that, just jump in with both feet and don't don't sit around and wait for the right time because it's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dustin Henson, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Have a great evening. I'm Scott Sherman's, and thank you for listening to the Business for Makers podcast brought to you by George Supply Company. And thank you to my co-author, Brian Sherwitz, Associate Instructional Designer at the University of Wisconsin Extended Campus. For your convenience, a transcript of this episode is available in our Business for Makers blog. I'll include a link in the show notes. Subscribe to our podcast to get regular insights and tips 
for building your maker business. And you can get more information about building your brand, selling merch, and maintaining your business operations all at georgesupplyco.com. Powered by Riverside FM. The only marketing channel you are 100% positive works every time is your unboxing. Are you taking advantage of this valuable moment? Does your box stand out with branded shipping tape or a custom box? Or does it blend in with the 10 Amazon boxes on the porch? When your box is opened, is there a thank you card inside? Maybe care and use instructions? Or a sticker? Are you giving the customer a reason to get even more excited with a small free gift or a coupon for their next purchase? George Supply offers a wide range of custom printing including business cards, care and use cards, stickers, custom boxes, shipping materials, and much more. Available at georgesupplyco.com.